0: Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and y'all, it is a good day, a very good day. I happen to be recording on January 20th, 2021, the day that the presidency of Donald J. Trump ends, the day that reverend joe biden was inaugurated as the 46th president of the united states the day that the beautiful amazing kamala harris was inaugurated as the first black first female first asian vp in history of this nation it's a good day can we just insert a praise break right here like Oh my gosh, it's a good day, y'all. It's a good, good day. Um, This episode is not about that, but like, you know, let's just go ahead and get to the brown beat because this is what the brown beat will be about. I didn't know that I would be so affected by today's events. I didn't know. I just didn't know. Like a part of me was nervous about today. You know, would there be an uproar? Would there be another form of insurrection? I even had a dream of a terrorist attack last night, which was of course the 19th. Um, so like, you know, I was, I've just been part uneasy, but part unbothered going into today, but watching that ceremony, my heart just warmed up. And I was like, wait, what is this stuff coming out of my eye? Am I, am I crying? It was such an emotional day. Um, It's been a victorious day, a celebratory day. I was deeply moved by the ceremony and all that took place. And all of what it, because of all of what it meant, it meant so much, you know, like, of course, the president is not our savior. Of course, this is not a um, fix all to all the issues this nation has because this nation didn't just start having issues four years ago, you know? Uh, I know all that. I get all of that. Um, Joe Biden was not everyone's, even on the, you know, the left side of, of political parties. Joe Biden wasn't the ideal pick for folks. I get, I get all of that. I get it. I get it. I get it. But today was a day of victory and I just felt relief. I felt a load lifted. I felt hope. I felt peace. Like it was just a good day, you know? And I text my friend, like, what is this that I'm feeling? Like, is this American pride? Something that I have not felt in years. Not just the past four years, but years and years and years. That's not something I felt, you know. Um, I'm very critical about this nation um, because I know that we could be so much better. Um, And anywhere that's home, you want your home to be, you know, a place of peace. And this home of ours just hasn't been for centuries. (laughs) So... Um, I haven't had any pride for this nation for a while, but today was the first time in a long, long, long time that I've been, that I've been able to say I'm proud to be an American because of um, this monumental event. history was made today, and I'm just so thankful to be here. even with like with this pandemic, how we've lost four hundred thousand Americans. Um, to COVID, you know, and how many of those folks, maybe some of them would have passed away by today anyways. I don't know that. But I believe a lot of them would have loved to witness history today. And I believe a lot of them should have been here, you know, um, if it weren't for this pandemic and how our nation has handled it. it. Um, So to even be here today to witness it was just, was beauty in itself. Because to think about, you know, just in November, just two months ago, We voted and how since then, thousands upon thousands of deaths have happened. People who voted for Joe, people who voted for Kamala, people who couldn't wait for this day, who, who possibly aren't here today because of the virus and all these other things, you know? Um, so it's just like, I've just been full of gratitude today to witness, to be able to witness today's events and Joe, like president Joe Biden, president Biden, I have tons of critiques, right? Like Joe isn't our favorite guy, but today he felt like Uncle Joe again. He felt like it's just, it's so refreshing to have a human in the office, to have someone with a soul, with a heart, who is moved, um, who has emotion, who has soul, who has a heart, who has like a clear mind, who who has a heart for the people. I'm sure. I am 1000% sure that I will not agree with everything he does. But I'm just so thankful that we have somebody who actually cares. He may not always get it right, but he—you could—you can see that he genuinely cares. He cares about his family deeply. He's deeply moved by what goes on in this nation. You can just tell he has a—not um, just honor, but a definite um, commitment and dedication to this nation, and that is just refreshing. That is so so refreshing. So yeah, I'm excited. And of course, Kamala, she's gorgeous. I love like just, just seeing her, she just exudes light. She really, really does. Her smile, her laugh, all of it. And I know she's about her business and I know she's going to work hard, but it's just nice to see like somebody happy in office. You know what I'm saying? To see them like sworn in was, oh my goodness. Oh my, oh my, but, but y'all like, I don't like, why won't they slow down when they're swearing them in? It's like, how can they remember all of that? It's like, they say so much in one sentence for them to repeat. I'm like, slow down for a second. They're like, I do, repeat after me. I do, to me swear. Joseph so-and-so, so Biden. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Like, can you like slow it down for the people? Because <laughs> I'll be up there like, wait, wait, can you repeat that? But they did amazing. Um, they didn't stumble, like not at all. So that was amazing. Um, seeing, it's something about, it is something about seeing the former presidents together. They have this collective, unbothered vibe about them whenever they're together at these, you know, at these uh, ceremonies and official events. They just have this collective, like, yeah, we did our part. Now it's on y'all. They just have this really collective, chill vibe about them. And I just love seeing them together, um, specifically uh, President Obama, President Clinton, and President Bush. They just be so chill. And I just would kill to. Just sit at their feet and just like have wings, drink some sweet tea, you know, like and just hear them talk. They just seem so cool. And them doggone Obamas, let me tell you something. The drip, the swag, the sauce, all of it, the magic, they are just royalty, period, point, blank. The way Michelle stole the entire show from head to toe, hair was Laid, okay like mother why did you slay us like that michelle auntie michelle tt shell you didn't warn us like we know we know who you are but you reminded us on today of course when you're listening to this it'll be last week but you reminded us who you are you showed us who you are on today you hear me good god she is so gorgeous and so graceful like I am totally obsessed I just love her I love her so much um the ceremony itself the program was nice you know hearing Lady Gaga sing I was I was about to say listen to listening to Lady Gaga minister <laughs> but listening to Lady Gaga sing and J-Lo you know J-Lo gets a collective pass okay you know we know she's not the best singer but but just seeing her, what she represented, you know, like J-Lo sang at the inauguration, that says a lot. You know, she's Puerto Rican. She's a pop star. Like, it, it was just beautiful to have her there sing and um, give her rendition of the song. Beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> um, <laughs> Garth Brooks, you know, like I, what I love about Garth Brooks, was he reminded me of myself like when he was leaving out. He had to hug everybody like, I ain't leaving nobody out. Let me get my round because I don't know when I'm going to see y'all again. Let me just hug everybody to, you know, hug everybody's neck. You know what I'm saying? Kiss everybody's cheek. So that was a really, really cute moment. And it just felt, the whole thing just felt warm, which is why, um, though the previous president has received a ton of criticism about his, about his lack of attendance and about breaking tradition, breaking a hundred plus year tradition, you know, of the former president, you know, transitioning the leadership over to the next president and all that, all those things, you know, giving them, giving the new president a tour of the White House and all of that protocol, he broke it, you know, he broke tradition. And sure, there's criticism there. Like, right. He's whack for that. I get it. sore a loser. He's whack for that. But also though, like there was just a really, really beautiful vibe at the inauguration. And I believe it is because of the former president's lack of attendance. So I'm not even mad at him for not showing up. I actually appreciate him not showing up. I think we needed, like, I think we needed the transition to happen just the way it did. And I pray to God that in the coming days, and I pray to God that by the time y'all are listening to me, that it still has been smooth and peaceful and safe and no craziness has popped off and no civil war has popped off and all those kind of things. But I think it was, I think it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Um, Cause it was just a really cool day for the nation, I think. Um, so yeah, Reverend Sylvester Beeman, the uh, the guy, the pastor from Bethel Ami Church in Delaware, he prayed that prayer, y'all. He prayed, and can we talk about the way his melanin was popping? Oh my gosh, that man's skin was so beautiful. Black men, let me tell y'all something, black men. Black men, y'all fine, okay? Black men, age so gracefully y'all be fine bruh let me tell y'all something reverend was so handsome and he prayed that dog up prayer. all he needed was an organ that's it that's it the whole ceremony legit needed like a needed a man corner because when when sister amanda gorman got up there and did that poetry i said we got spoken word at the inauguration from a young black girl gen z representing for the people Y'all, she apparently was the youngest poet to ever deliver a poem on the inauguration day. That was incredible. Her poem was so incredible. It was titled The Hill We Climb. And it was absolutely incredible. Oh my gosh. That moment was so beautiful. What stuck out to me the most was when she said this. We, the successors of a country in a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting from one. Ma'am. Bars. That was incredible. And she looked beautiful. Like, oh my goodness. And of course, I went and, follow- I went and followed her on Instagram afterwards. And I think her um, at the time... Her follower count was like around 700 something thousand. And I and I figured at that point that that was already a jump from her from yesterday. You know, I figured that was already, you know, a difference of several hundred thousands from yesterday. Right. I went back to her page later on in the day and it had jumped to like one point three million. And I'm sure at this point it's way beyond that. Like everybody is following this girl now. The whole world is watching her now. I love that. I love that. And even that speaks to something that is even a word in that. I saw another girl I follow say this about her in her follower account jumping like that. It was like, find your lane and stay there. The people will find you when you do what you do well, they'll find you. Your voice will be recognized. Your voice will be heard when the time is right. So it was just beautiful to see how like how that moment served her, how she served in that moment and how like she's coming into her time and now the world knows her like that it's a whole word in there y'all it's beautiful it's just been a good day and then after the inauguration Joe went right ahead to work and was like let me get on these executive orders day one let's get to work at the time of me at the time of me recording this he's already um signed three significant executive orders I'm not sure how many in total but three of them are significant Um, one of the, one of the executive orders he signed on day one was ending the construction of the Mexico border wall, which was dumb in the first place. The former president did all that talking all them years about doggone building a wall and what nothing even built. So yeah, that's done with (laughs) moving on. Um, president Biden, he signed an executive order to halt the construction of the Keystone pipeline. That would have gone right through the sacred native lands of Montana. Um, Folks have been fighting for that for years and years and years and years and years. That's finally come to an halt. Praise the Lord. And President Biden has also already signed an executive order um, to end the Muslim ban that the former president put into place, which was also dumb in the first place. So shout out to all my Muslim brothers and sisters. That's over and done with. But now I'm president now, you know, you you get into work and we, you know, we're going to be patient. But also, we've been patient long enough. It's been 400 years. So let's go ahead and put some executive orders in place that will benefit black and brown people. Well, brown Muslims, brown natives, but black. How about black? Let's go ahead and put some executive orders in place that will benefit black American people. Specifically, we're going to need that because we got you in office, Joe. Okay. Let me shift for a second. Black folks save this country from itself again. And we need to be compensated properly and expeditiously. (laughs) So yeah, that would be nice, Joe. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and um, erase these student loans. Okay. That'd be nice with the signing of a pen. Just go ahead and do it, you know, and listen, and let me just shift for a quick sec. I'm gonna get back to victory, but let me, let me just shift for a quick second. Listen now, the house of representatives, the Senate, the executive branch, all Democrats. We ain't got no excuses. Okay? If in four years ain't nothing been done, don't blame it on that. Now I'm Republican. Don't blame it on nothing. We have not had this type of political alignment and God knows when. So I don't want to hear no bipartisan BS. Get ish done. Okay? I don't want to hear nothing about no middleman and trying to meet in the middle and compromise. Nah, fam. Get ish done for the people. And let that be that. So yes, I'm hopeful, but also guarded. I'm not naive, but I am hopeful. I am. I am. I choose to be hopeful. We got to. There's a beautiful MLK quote about that, about, you know, the, the thin line between, you know, hope and despair and how it's so easy for us to stay in that place of despair because we continually see how though progress is made, it's not made. We're, we're going in circles, but, but I choose hope. I, I do. Um, my heart's a little bit warmer today and I'm, I'm excited for what's ahead. I'm excited for all the women that are in leadership now. I'm excited for the black women who are getting stuff done. The shout out to, um, Stacey Abrams in Georgia and all the black women that have, that have been for a long time in the trenches getting stuff done so that we could see this day. Like I see you fam, like you are the bomb and black women may never get the appreciation that we deserve. We may never get that, but I see you sis. I see you, boo. I'm rooting for you. I support you. I love you. I celebrate you. You are incredible. You absolutely are. And that black girl magic is shining. America may not thank you for it, but bro, we know what's up. <laughs> we know what's up. <sighs> yeah, it's been a good day. All right, y'all. Let's unpack it. If you've been following me on social media, you may have noticed that I've been talking a bit more about mother wounds. Um, I think that each of us have a story, um, that is powerful enough to help transform the lives of others. Um, so I have chosen to put myself out there, you know, with hopes that I can help somebody else heal so this is why I've been sharing more about it. And yeah, I want to share it here on this platform too. So I think it's super common. So I'm hoping that if you find yourself relating to what I'm saying, you'll not be overwhelmed, but will be encouraged to know that somebody else sees you and encouraged to go find your healing. So yeah, like I want to share, first of all, the mother wound term is something that I haven't always known about. It came into my awareness in the last couple years. And when I learned about it, I immediately identified with it. I'm like, OMG, there's language for this? I had absolutely no idea. I kind of just always chalked it up to, you know, just not having an amazing relationship with my mother. I didn't know that it was something specific to it. I didn't know there was something. I didn't know it was something that affected other things in my life. I just thought, you know, that me and my mom just have a very basic, surfacey, you know, I'll make it work kind of relationship. But as I began to learn about this, I was like, oh, my gosh this is a thing. And it's so, 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 so real. So what is a mother wound? There is no Webster's dictionary version, you know, definition. Um, there are different studies on it, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and doctors and therapists, um, have done tons of studies on this. Um, but I actually created my own definition, which is Um, The mother wound is an emotional injury caused by a deficit in the mother-child relationship that creates self-critical and codependent behaviors. And for me, like I said, growing up, I just knew that we didn't have a close relationship. Like I remember vividly being in middle school, complaining to my friends about, you know, my relationship and, you know, just whatever. It just wasn't, it, it just wasn't amazing. But again, I didn't think it went beyond that. It was just like, that's my mama, you know? But it was more so like, I just always had this, always had this feeling of not being seen, not being heard, being ignored, feeling like I wasn't valuable, feeling like my um, needs didn't matter, feeling like I didn't matter. And it came up in a, in a bunch of different ways. If isolated, possibly small ways, but once compounded, it gave me this sense of insignificance. It definitely affected my, my confidence, my self-image, self-esteem, all of those things. I just always remember like thinking, I know, I know my mom loves me, you know, but I don't know that, I don't know if she like really rocks with me like that. Like, I don't know that she likes me or, or wants me like that, you know, because I'm a firm believer that just because you have kids doesn't mean you wanted them. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, like things happen. I don't think that just because a woman has kids that she likes them. So I just kind of had this feeling like maybe my mama don't like me. And that feeling of insignificance kind of just followed me. And it's been it's been challenging to figure this thing out, to figure what this thing is, because I was raised in a two parent home, you know, um, with well-established parents with all of my um all of my educational needs met, all of my um financial needs met, like you know, we didn't need for anything, we didn't want for anything, like we had all of those needs met. But there was emotional neglect. And it's tough to talk about abandonment because we typically think of physical abandonment, you know, but it's possible to have a mother present but also emotionally absent. And when we think about a human, when we think about human needs, unfortunately, a lot of us think on the basic level of human need, which are our physiological needs. You know, stuff like um, air, food, drink, shelter, clothing, warmth. You know, that that kind of thing. And when we, and when we see families who have an abundance of these things, we're like, oh, they're good. You know, they're good. But the truth of the matter is every human has a level of needs, emphasis on the word needs. You know, we have needs other than our basic physiological needs. Another basic need is safety. And that includes emotional security. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, it's just financial security or, you know, employment, welfare, you know, our social welfare, our law and order, freedom, social stability, that kind of thing, property, you know, health, well-being. And those things do represent safety, but emotional security is also a safety need. And it's a basic human need. So So we could have literally everything else that I just mentioned, but if we don't have emotional security, there will be a void created. And that's what happened to me. And I'm sure many, many others. Let me say this though. I do absolutely Acknowledge and understand that if my mother knew my needs, they would have been met, you know, because all of my other needs were met, especially when it came to, you know, where we lived, where we went to school, you know, my mom paid for college. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she gave everything she knew to give. Furthermore, she gave everything she had, right? So it's like, it's tough to give somebody something you don't have yourself. And the truth of the matter is, mother wounds exist because our mothers have mother wounds and it's a generational thing and it will continue to be perpetuated until somebody actually stops to feel the pain of it and addresses it. Um, so I do understand that my mother just didn't know what I needed, but I actually known, she would have given it to me. Y'all know how it is at Shades of Brown. Two things can be true at the same time. My mother did the very, 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 very best she could. And also I was emotionally neglected. Those two things are true. Those two statements are true. My mother is amazing and did the very best she could. And I was emotionally neglected by my mother. That created a mother wound. So because of this void, I then started having these behaviors to try to gain the attention and approval and acceptance of my mother and ultimately even other people, you know? So it's like, well, let me just do, let me just do all of the right things. And I didn't even know I was having these behaviors. I didn't even know this was happening. It was just like a honestly a natural response. These are natural responses to trauma. Perfectionism is a natural response to trauma. You know, um needing to be right, needing to be better than everybody. So you can like prove to everyone around you and to yourself that you're worthy, that you're valuable because you you didn't feel that as a child. So now it's like, well let me work towards it. Let me do let me overachieve and everything I do so that people can see that I actually am good enough. So perfectionism was a way that it that my mother wound showed up for me. Um and even procrastination, y'all. Procrastination is actually a part of perfectionism. And yeah, it's a trauma response, you know, sometimes because we need things to be perfect, we won't even start it because we don't feel we don't feel that we'll do a good enough job at whatever it is. So we won't even start it until the very 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 last second. Your procrastination is probably connected to your perfectionism. And your perfectionism is most likely connected to your trauma. So yeah, there's that. (laughs) It also showed up for me with needing, with like needing to have control of everything. The mother wound is there because you lacked safety. So what happens as you age is you desperately need to be safe at all times. Emotionally, physically, all those things. So what happens is you start to like guard yourself and just want to control everything. Even down to like, this is a simple example, but if you deal with this in any kind of way, you will relate to it. So for me, I would rather not drive. I don't enjoy driving. I just really, really don't. But if I'm with a group of people and we're going somewhere, I prefer to be the driver because at least I'm in control of where we're going, how we get there, how fast we get there, how slow we get there. If something happens, at least it was on me You know what I'm saying? At at least I knew like like there's just this like need to always be in control at the height of my, you know, trauma. It was like I just couldn't relax unless I knew what was next. You know, this is anxiety issues and stuff like that. Like I don't even like driving, bro, but it's like, no, I'll do it because I just need to be in control because at least I can control my safety. Because that's something that's very important to me because I didn't have it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, very, 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 um, it seems isolated, right? And it seems random, but it's actually connected. So much of what we do, our behaviors and stuff is interconnected. And we think like, oh, that's just who I am. But a lot of times it's connected to our trauma and our pains. And we just do stuff not knowing why we do stuff. And it's been interesting to learn about all the little things intricacies of my personality and how so much of it is connected to my childhood pain and how so much of it is driven by my inner child who's there stuck at her pain just trying to control my life and trying to protect me and it's like girl let me live fall back you know but she rises up anytime there is like you know potential danger to like remind me like hey 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 Let's not, let's not stay guarded, whatever, whatever. So yeah, child, it's a lot. This episode is definitely not on the lighter side, okay? It's, it's going to be a little bit heavy, but just stick with me. <laughs> Another way that it, that my mother won't show up for me was people pleasing. And I even still say I'm a recovering people pleaser because it's very difficult to, even as I'm healing, as I've healed several parts of the wound and as I continually heal, this part has been very, very difficult because it's been so ingrained in me from childhood trauma which is like I need to make sure that everyone else around me is good even if I'm not so I'd rather honor you and your requests and your desires instead of my own um, not honoring my own self by placing everyone else's needs above mine thinking that my relationships with people will be compromised if I don't go along you know, so I don't, I, so I'd rather not, you know, speak up for myself. And this shows up again, you know, this shows up in, in little ways too, where people think I'm just like easygoing and low maintenance and like, just go with the flow and she'll be down with whatever, you know, they pick the restaurant. I'm cool with it. You know, they pick the movie. I'm cool with it. And it's like all these things because like, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter what, I'm good with whatever y'all choose. I'm Whatever, whatever you want. I'm cool. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm chill. I'm laid back. And Sure. I'm sure there are a lot of actually easygoing people. I'm sure there are actually a lot of low maintenance people, like naturally, genuinely low maintenance people. I'm sure. But that's not me. I actually have very specific desires. I actually have very specific interests. The thing is, I wouldn't voice them because of my fear of someone else being displeased with me or maybe them not liking me anymore or maybe the relationship switching because they they deem me difficult or hard to please you know those kinds of things so it's like because I need you in my life because I just don't want to lose you I'll just go along with whatever you know maybe I want a self-care day but you want to come over and watch movies so I'm gonna say all right sure you can come over you know, like, hey, what you doing, Allison? I'm, I'm I'm on my way. Instead of being like, actually, I don't want company right now. It's like, yeah, go, go, come, come on, go ahead and come. You know, that has happened so many times where, like, I really just wanted to be alone. But my space was invaded because I didn't have the backbone to stand up and be like, you know what? I actually don't want company right now. And the people pleasing thing is is connected to codependency. And that's a huge one. It's even in my definition, you know, the whole self-critical and codependent behaviors is this desperate need to be connected to another human being because we feel that our value and our worth is connected to somebody else we place all of our value into it into other people there's high value on others low value on ourselves and these are like attachment styles and feel free to go and look up um the attachment theory attachment style theories and typically folks with mother wounds have an anxious attachment style we easily esteem others highly but we don't but we don't esteem ourselves highly. You know, we easily see beauty in others, but we don't see the same in ourselves, that kind of, that kind of thing. There's this distorted perspective in so much of what we see because we don't see ourselves as good enough ultimately because of this childhood pain that was created due to emotional neglect. So yeah, these are several ways um, that it has shown up for me. And I'm sure if you relate, or have a mother wound yourself, you will relate to some of these ways. And it's not specific to daughters, like sons have mother wounds too. What I meant to say early on too, is that like, we typically hear about daddy issues, you know, like, old girl got daddy issues. That's why she acts like this, 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 and this, you know, or old dude must not have a father in his life because he does this, 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 and this, you know? So that's typical. It's more common that we hear about daddy issues. And typically mothers, especially in black culture, they are placed on a pedestal because for centuries, the black woman has been the backbone of the black family, you know, not just the black family for families, period. You know, we, we look at history and see how the black woman has been there for literally everyone except herself. So we glorify the black mother. Rightfully so. We praise her. Rightfully so. We place her on this pedestal. But, but what gets tricky is we place her on this pedestal where they where they are, where their mothering is beyond accountability. We so easily critique fathers and their fathering style and the effects of their fathering style. Um, but we're not quick to see how our mother negatively affected us as well. But it's like, yo, this is a thing. This is actually a thing. So yeah, sons can have mother wounds too. And it shows up in a few different ways, but pretty much the same. You know, like the the specifics of it may be different, but the the overall behavior is the same you know the codependency the people pleasing the the self critical you know being critical of everything and everybody those larger concepts are consistent throughout each individual who may struggle with with the mother wound So if you relate to any of this stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. That is me. She's describing my life. This is overwhelming. I didn't realize my relationship with my mother affects literally every relationship I've ever had. If you're relating, let me just tell you healing is available. Okay. (laughs) Healing is available. Like it doesn't always have to be like this. I started my healing journey. I don't know. Maybe my overall healing journey started. I don't know. Two and a half, three years ago. And I remember being in such a dark place that I ended up going to therapy for the first time ever. And um, I realized I was having anxiety and depression issues. But as I peel back the layer, you know, it's like an onion. As you start to heal, you just like all these different layers of who you are is revealed. So I thought it was, you know, that I'm trying to heal that, but I ended up realizing that so much of who I am and so much of my issues were rooted in my childhood pain. Um, So I went on this path of inner child healing. So that particular journey started about a year and a half ago. And um, I'm happy to share, you know, my specific journey. So. Everybody's healing journey is different, but this is how mine has kind of has kind of flowed. So for me it was of course one identifying with the mother one was. And then I had to like I had to come to a place where I saw where I took responsibility of my healing journey. For so long I was angry and mad and upset and bitter and resentful and had all this unforgiveness in my heart because it was like you should have known, you know? Like you should have known what I needed. You should have known how to love me. You should have known, but truth is she didn't. (laughs) That's just the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't know. I can't blame her for not knowing how to love me. She just really didn't know. Um, and I had to accept that. No, I didn't create the wound, but I'm 100% responsible for healing it. That's all on me. You know, that is not fair. Maybe you don't think that's fair. Maybe it's not, but it's the truth. The wound is mine to heal. So I have to heal that. I have to take responsibility of that. You know, whether or not my mother comes on board, whether or not my mother even takes accountability, whether or not my mom even believes there's a mother bone, because that's a thing too. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is a whole thing where maybe your mother doesn't even believe that this is a thing. I understand that. And it's hurtful and it's painful to go through this very vulnerable journey. And your mom is still like, hmm. Yeah, I don't think that you experience what you experienced. You know, gaslighting will happen. <laughs> but it is what it is. It is what it is. Your story is your story. What happened to you was real. You are not tripping. Your story does not need to be validated by anybody for it to be true. It is yours. Even if you have siblings with the same parent, like regardless if their experience of her is different, your story is still your story, you know? Don't let nobody make you feel like you're crazy because you experience what you experience. It is not, and it's, and also, too, it's not your fault. It's not your fault for not knowing how to express what you needed. It's not your fault for not having the language for a mother wound. It's not your fault for being neglected. Please let that be resolved right now in this moment. It is not your fault. Okay. You are not ungrateful. You are not spoiled. You are not out of your mind. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what happened to you was real. You needed what you needed. These, we weren't asking for luxuries. These were necessities. These are human. We're talking about basic human needs here. And emotional security is a basic human need. And you're not receiving that. It's problematic. So please don't have any fool out here making you feel like you crazy for, for having needs. They have the same needs. Maybe they've grown numb to their lack of emotional security, but it's okay that you feel that. Please don't have folks out here making you feel like you're, you know, extra sensitive because you have needs. No, we literally all have the same needs. They show up differently, but we all have the same needs. So you yeah, nip that in the bud now. It's not your fault. You're not crazy. You're not. You're not tripping. But also you are responsible for healing it. <laughs> you don't get excused at that part. You are responsible for healing it. And I, and it was tough and very humbling to get to that point. Like why, why I got to go through the pain of this healing process when I didn't even do this. It ain't even my fault, you know, but I had to choose like whether I was going to sit in grudge holding and resentment and bitterness or like own up to my responsibility. And I chose of course the latter to heal. And I then had to transform my perspective of my mother, like understanding that, like, listen, fam, no, you're not excusing her. No, you're not justifying her behavior. No, you're not defending her behavior. But also the truth of the matter is this. She didn't know and she didn't have it to give. Like you're going to keep being mad at somebody who didn't know how to love you. She did not know <laughs> like Let that marinate in your spirit. If she knew what you needed and if she had it to give, she would have gladly and willingly given it to you, you know. And like I said earlier, because this thing is generational, she herself most likely has a mother wound that is unhealed. How can she mother you from a place of wholeness and healing when she herself don't have that? that was also humbling like oh man but also it shifted me from a place of bitterness to like compassion because now I was like dang like I feel sorry for you you coming into this journey of motherhood with your own trauma your own scars your own story your own childhood wounds that were never healed your own stuff you know and now you're pushing to motherhood trying to raise another human when you yourself have not done all the self-work for yourself so God helped me transform my, my perspective of who of who He is too, and all of that transformation in my in my perspective helped me to walk in forgiveness, um, and just let it go. And my mentor told me this was which was so powerful. You you not only have to forgive your mother, you have to forgive the role of the mother, because the thing about healing from a mother wound is your mother may not be on this journey with you. She may remain the same you know which means her behaviors may be the same. She may still trigger you, she may still say things that get on your under your skin. She may still irritate you. She may still awaken that inner child in you who is bruised and injured and hurt and harmed, you know? So what you have to do is just forgive the entire role. It sounds difficult, but it's necessary to forgive the role of mother so that when she continues the behaviors that typically trigger you, you are um, guarded against the pain of it. You're not numb to it, but you're guarded against the pain of it because you've chosen forgiveness. You know, and I also had to grieve. I had to grieve. I had to grieve the fairy tale relationship that I have so longed for and desired for. Um, for whatever reason, I just thought that my mother should be my bestie. Not not while I'm a child, but you know what I'm saying. Like you, I don't know, maybe Disney or Nickelodeon or whoever sold this lie to me that it would just be this beautiful like Cosby relationship, you know, where my mom is the, the disciplinarian, but also somebody that I, you know, can kick it with and talk to about anything, you know? Well that ain't that ain't my story. <laughs> you know, that's just not my story. And I had to stop being mad that this fairy tale that nobody promised me other way, like God did not promise me a specific type of relationship with my mother. You know, even the word says like, you know, even your mother and father may may leave and forsake you, but I won't. So it's just like God never promised us the picture perfect relationship with our parents. So I don't know why I was mad that I didn't get it, but I was mad. I had to grieve what I didn't get. I had to grieve something I never had. That was tough because we typically think about grief in terms of losing a human, you know, to death. Um, But grief, grief is a general human experience. We all experience it in different ways. You know, it's not limited to someone dying, nor is it limited to losing something you had. Like I had to grieve something I never had. Um, and that was important for me though, because it gave me closure, you know, and and it allowed me to truly let go so that I can then embrace what I have so that I can then begin to see the beauty in, in the present time and see the beauty of what was already around me. I had to let go of this fantasy so that I can embrace, um, what god had granted me i feel like or i know that healing is not one number one healing isn't linear it's not a straight line and also healing has no destination we don't ultimately get to this place where we can just sit back relax and drink a mai tai on the beach like healing is a journey and what i've learned is on the way you get levels of healing and different measures of healing right um, so I'm, st- I'm still on the journey and will forever be on the journey. And I look forward to the next levels of healing. Right. Um, but some other things in my healing journey that I had to learn was to begin to implement boundaries. Typically, people with mother wounds have awful boundaries. Either they are too loose or they're too rigid. For me, they were too loose. More like non-existent. <laughs> you know like oversharing and being vulnerable in all the wrong places, being guarded in all the wrong places. It's just like, girl, you're supposed to be guarded over here and vulnerable over here. You got it backwards. Um so yeah, I had to learn to implement boundaries with, you know, all in, in all my relationships, saying no, le- learning to say no, learning that no is a complete sentence. And also boundaries with my mother. If you know that you and your mom always get into it, well, maybe don't call as often or maybe don't talk on the phone as long. Maybe don't visit as long. I had to start cutting my trips down. You know, maybe I came for two weeks at a time. Now I'm going to come for one week, you know, maybe from one week to three days. You know, that was my sweet spot for a long time. That three day mark was it. (laughs) So I had like, you know, learn what my boundaries were to keep the relationship um, healthy or at least strive for a healthy relationship. And, And boundaries are a form of honor, you know, like, It doesn't sound pleasant, but it is. Boundaries are healthy and boundaries are a form of self-love. Boundaries are self-care. Hello. Um, so yeah, like it's so important to continue honoring your parents because we are not exempt. We are not exempt from that commandment just because we have a mother womb. We are still required to honor our parents. And it's like difficult. It's like, how do you honor a parent who neglected you? How do you honor a parent who possibly abused you? How do you honor a parent who whatever, whatever, whatever? Um, well, we have to be creative and find ways to honor it. And no honor isn't just obeying them or, you know, doing whatever they want you to do. Um, no, that's not honor. They, you know, we're not no slaves now. Hello. Um, so we have to find creative ways to honor our parents and that part of your healing journey should be fun. Cause you know, I've learned new things about my mom, you know, in this phase of healing, I've learned how to have fun with her, you know, what she likes. I'm all about deep talk. You know, I can do this all day. Y'all I could have deep talk, like I'm deep waters. I'm in the deep waters all the time. You know, it's like, hello, how are you doing? So what are your deepest fears? That is me on site, deep waters. My mom isn't, you know, like she isn't. So it's like finding the balance between how do I love her versus how do, I, how do I receive love. There, there has to be reciprocity. I can't, you know, want to heal this mother wound of mine and expect that she starts to love me the way I need, but not reciprocate that. So what does she enjoy doing? Let me, well, let me, you know, find some fun in that. I may not like it, but she like it, so let's do it so yeah like boundaries are important honor honor is important but mostly though when it comes to my healing journey i've had to learn and i encourage you all to do this as you are healing because i hope that you do choose to start this healing journey is like managing your expectations along the journey is so important like No, healing isn't linear, you know, and for me, I just knew that this would be like, okay, I got this. (laughs) I didn't have a blueprint for this. I didn't have a reference for this journey. I didn't. So I would, I've just been figuring it out as I go, which is why I'm passionate about sharing it because I just, one, I just want people to heal, but also while you're healing, I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I did, you know, going into this, you know, willy nilly and thinking it's going to be a piece of cake. And finding yourself even more traumatized (laughs) because that can happen. You know, I found myself having moments where I'm like, wait, why is it that I'm experiencing traumatic moments on the healing journey? Well, because sometimes healing is traumatic, but I don't want y'all to be, you know, experiencing the hiccups that I have experienced. Um, and managing your expectations will it will absolutely help you avoid those pitfalls along the way. Because the thing is, you'll still be triggered. I remember thinking, like, why am I triggered by this? Like, am I not healed? Like, am I not progressing? Like what's happening that I'm still triggered by this? Well, sometimes healing is in the absence of a trigger. Sometimes it's the decrease in the frequency of the trigger. Or sometimes it's how quickly you recovered from the trigger. You know, maybe the last time when you were triggered, you shut down. Maybe this time you didn't. Maybe, maybe this time you just start thinking introspectively and, and beginning to think, OK, how can I, you know, move past this, not fix the other person, but move past the moment of triggering. So like we have to learn how to see progress and how to measure our pro- progress in a lot of different ways than just the absence of pain or the absence of irritation. Or You know what I'm saying? Like the triggers may still be there. So having proper expectations will for sure help you avoid unnecessary disappointments and and to help you avoid a place of discouragement as you heal because no like you may not ever get the the tale relationship with your mother you know but i'm telling you bro like healing this part of your of your childhood pain healing your inner child is so critical because it helps you see everything more clearly it helps you in every single one of your relationships y'all the way my relationships have realigned since being on this journey has been so powerful and not in a negative, ugly way, but just seeing like who I depended on for what and vice versa, who I allowed in my life for wrong reasons and who I depended on for wrong reasons, thinking it was genuine love when really it was just codependency or thinking that it was this when it was that. Like, it's just been powerful to see like, man, I thought they were this, but they're really not. Or I thought I was this for them and I'm really not. It's been powerful to see that I have relationships now that are like, that have really solid foundations. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, so powerful. So no, I don't have the fairy tale relationship with my mother, but I have more amazing relationships with my friends and, and other people because of this healing journey. And yes, the relationship with my mother is improving. It is progressing. Is it what I want it to be? No. But is it better than it was? Absolutely absolutely in so many ways in so many ways and I appreciate my mom for that I appreciate because I can see where she tries harder where she like is trying to get I can see that she really wants us to improve so like I can see her desire for something beautiful you know what I'm saying so like our relationship has improved tremendously um and and I look forward to see how it continues to improve I look forward I look forward to seeing how God will continue to grant me measures of healing. Um, because I'm not done yet, you know, but just this place of my healing journey has been so worth it. It's been so worth every loss, you know, maybe loss of friendship or loss of what, whatever I've lost. It's been worth it. Cause it's been more like, um, baggage and unnecessary weight anyways, you know? So it's been worth all of it. It's been worth the tears. It's been worth all of it. And now to know that like God is using me to help other people, like, okay. Okay. So my pain had purpose. All right, Lord. I started a I started a program called Healing from a Mother Wound. Um something I never imagined doing. I had my first 6-week session uh in December and it was phenomenal. And it ended up helping me just as much as it did the people who were a part of it. Um so that's been really exciting to see how this has come about to see how I've been able to walk alongside other folks to help them see things a bit more clearly and to help them, Um, like some of their stories are just powerful. Like seriously, you know, people saying like, man, like you have no idea. People have no idea how bad it is or to see how like, you know, what we deem as people having the perfect relationship with their mothers, you know, and then they're in my group there. I'm just like, wait, you in here? Like what? That's crazy. I'm over here looking at you and your pictures like hashtag family goals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, here you are. Um, like girl, no, it's not even like that. So yeah, it's been really, really, really powerful because people are hurting, but they don't know how to reach out for help because we don't talk about this. We don't talk about mommy issues. We don't talk about mama trauma, but mama trauma is real for real, y'all. It's real. And You are not being disrespectful for choosing to heal. You're just not. You're not. And I'm all about breaking generational patterns that are toxic, breaking generational curses, generational patterns, whatever you want to call it. I'm all about breaking them if they're unhealthy for the bloodline. I'm all about creating generational blessings, something new for your legacy, you know, because again, this thing will perpetuate and continue until somebody stops to feel and deal and heal, okay? So yeah y'all, the first 6 weeks ended earlier this month and man, it was just such it was beautiful. So I'm going to do it again. I don't know how it will evolve, but I'm excited to continue um this program because it's proven to be a blessing. So yeah, if you are interested in it, it's called Healing from a Mother Wound and I'm using Facebook as a platform. I have a private group on there where like literally You can't even search for the group. I have to invite you. So like nobody can see you in the group. Nobody can find the group. You're totally anonymous. Of course, with the exception of who's in the group, Um, the other people in the group will see you and your name, of course. And so, you know, and you can engage as much or as less as you want. But yeah, we have a private group on Facebook. And while the sessions are going on, we meet on Tuesdays, every Tuesday for six weeks. And during the program, we meet weekly. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time on Facebook, I go live and I share and I break down in six steps and in detail the mother wound healing journey. So I would love it. I would love to walk alongside you. If you find yourself relating to this, uh, please reach out to me. If you want to know more about the program, please feel free to go to. Linktree.com slash everything Alley B. You can find more about my story there and you can sign up for the program there. If you want to just go to my Instagram or Facebook page, the link is in my bio. But yeah, I would love to walk alongside you to help you heal because it's necessary, yo. It's necessary. And healing can be intimidating because you don't know you don't know what's on the other side of it. You know, a lot of times we get comfortable in our pain and trauma because at least it's familiar, at least it's comfortable. At least we know it. At least it's like, it's my pain. So I'm good. But healing is worth it, y'all. It is. You'll feel so much lighter. I promise you, you will. So yeah, y'all, go get your healing, bro. Find your healing, sis. And if you choose to do that with me, like I said, reach out um, and sign up for my program. It's linktree.com slash everything Allie So yeah, y'all, this was a heavy episode, but I am certain that many of you can relate. And I hope that you... Have healed from your mother wound, are healing from your mother wound, or will choose after listening to this to start your journey. Man, that's a heavy topic. <laughs> but if you start healing, you'll feel lighter. Mighty God, mighty God. All right, let's get into brownie points. Uh, Think about something that you are proud of, and I want you to meditate on it, to let it marinate in your spirit, let it sizzle in your spirit. Give yourself kudos for something. So I'm giving myself brownie points Um, for, this is terrible, but it's not terrible. It's just who I am. So I am highly sensitive, so like my senses are heightened, so like certain sounds irritate me very, very, very easily. Like chewing sounds to me sound like nails on a chalkboard. It is, it makes my skin crawl. And it doesn't even have to be like total, like just loud smacking, just like chewing sounds. It is just, oh my God. Whew. Well, today I was out to dinner, lunch, late, late lunch, early dinner. And um, the person I was with was slightly smacking and typically I would you know have to say something or flip out or move or get up or leave find another place to go but I endured it you know I was like you know what it's not all about me you know in this moment I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy the conversation and we're just gonna figure it out (laughs) so I'm giving myself brownie points for not confronting everything like so I'm, I'm learning That everything doesn't have to be confronted in the moment. Like, you know, some things you just figure it out and you just get over it. Not to dismiss it, but just learning. I'm just, I'm just learning to pick my battles. So I'm giving myself brownie points for enduring that because man, even thinking about it now, I can hear it now. Oh God. Oh, it's just terrible. So yeah, I'm giving myself brownie points for that. What are you giving yourself brownie points for? Think about it, write it down, put a note on your phone or something, but yeah... I want you to focus on the positives of the day. Well, that's all I have for you today. Uh, Thank you for listening. And if you are still listening, I appreciate you for for making it this far. Because I do know this was a pretty heavy topic. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review. Please rate the podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And share with your friends, you know. Engage on social media. I appreciate that. All of those things help other people find me for us to grow our community. So thank you for your support. And black folks, please remember this. You are enough. Your creation is so divine. And I love me some you. So until the next episode, be healthy, be whole, be healed.